Episode 112 of Gaming MBS. Aging in RPGs. Welcome to Gaming MBS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back for our other, uh, I should say our regular listeners. We have a number of folks who uh, have uh, come out and admitted in public that they listen to us regularly. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. Thanks for doing that. So, Sean, what do we got for announcements? There's something coming up here. This sucker drops, what, in a couple days, drops on the old Tuesday, and then uh, a little game convention we're going to go to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally ready. For, you're totally so, ready? Totally prepared. Yeah, Brett and Sean are both totally, <laughs> absolutely prepared for this. It's going to be like the most clockwork professional thing we've ever. Yeah, it's not going to be it. All right. So, yeah, this coming Thursday, November 3rd is Game Hulk on. A sponsor of the show. We had Alex on last time. We have talked about them ad nauseum, most likely. We've had a host of uh, gaming BS people showing up. We've got folks running games under our banner, listeners, friends of the show. We got Chris Zizak coming in from New York who's going to be here. That'll be cool. We got Brasslet coming. We got Roger coming from Maine. We got people from all over showing up. So it's going to be a blast. Sean, um, there is a gaming BS little soiree happening, is there? Yes, 9 a.m. 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Nine a.m. we do in Wisconsin. It's 9 a.m. I can get a beer. What's wrong with you, sir? Starting son? the kegger off at 9 a.m. 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Saturday night um, is when I've been told that the barrel will roll out. And if you're not familiar, it's roll out. Out the barrel. The barrel. And we'll have a barrel of fun. That's right. That's how that goes. Roll <laughs> out. All barrel. right. Before we go into really bad uh, Wisconsin German wedding uh, and Polish wedding uh, songs. Uh, the other one is, of course, Evercon is happening this coming January. I was up this last weekend doing a lot of oh, planning and preparation for that. That thing is coming along swimmingly. We've got a lot of really cool stuff happening. A lot of a good open gaming. we got more and more events showing up. We're able to partner with one of the uh, <clears throat> the big local friendly gaming store in town there, Johnny C's. And Johnny, has uh, he's putting together like 30 different events between video games and a plethora of other things for us. So it should, should be a good damn time. The other cool thing about it is uh, there's a state game system, much like kind of in the spirit of the Olympics, there's a state game system. And so there's a Badger State Games, and Michigan does them, and other places do as well. Well, we hooked up with the Badger State Games folks, and we are actually have a number of events that are going to be Badger State Games recognized. So there's bronze, silver, gold medals, um, picture in the paper, that whole nine yards. So we've got Ticket to Ride in there, um, a Pokemon tournament, and then there is uh, there are two video game tournaments, which may not be as interesting to folks listen to us. But anyway, that's kind of cool. That made me happy when we got that figured out. This Sounds going to be like a, it's going to be a fantastic time. It better be because that's why Sean's coming to ensure that it's a fantastic oh, man. time. <laughs> Brett, Brett's been on me. I haven't committed yet, which is terrible. That's why I'm just going to keep saying that Sean's coming until what he doesn't uh, show. But people go, oh, what? Where's that Sean guy? It's the only reason I came. I'm going to drive all the way up there and all the way back home in one day. I, I, I've done it. It's not that far. Two and a half hour drive, you can do that. I Go suppose I, it's a long day that I might crash. That'll be like one of the Buddy Holly stories. Like, 
I'll go up there, drive up at there at the ass crack of dawn, run some games, and on the way back, fall asleep. And do a little single prop Jeep. Or right, yeah, my, my six-cylinder engine Jeep goes Jeep off goes the cliff. There you go. Yeah. All right. Shall we random encounter the sucker up? Let's yeah. go on. Let's march. Random encounter or call in BS. Uh, who wants to start? I'll take this one. Let me gear myself up here. All right. Craig Huber. Uh, commented to us on G+. He said, he's been listening for quite a while. First time I'm writing. Love the podcast. It's become part of my weekly routine. Well, thank you, Craig. Awfully nice of you to say so. And I'm glad you keep listening. I'm sure Sean is too, even though he's sitting over there silently. I am I am very glad he's listening. Okay, yes. Good. Sorry. Good. I should, should, should <laughs> confirm that. He continued with, I'm writing in relation to episode 111, and I just wanted to chime in with my definition of heroism. You danced around most of my following bullet points for your entire discussion, but I didn't really hear you boil it down to what I think of as its essence, which I think is related to three specific points. Point number one, the character has a real chance of failure associated with potential for significant loss, i.e. death, insanity, etc. This calls back to the distinction raised by the full health versus one hit point example in the topic intro. Two, the character is chosen... Oh, excuse me, characters choosing to enter the situation. To illustrate, in your Defeat Demogorgon example from the podcast, I think it undermines uh, the heroic purity of the uh, effort if Demogorgon has uh, cornered the party and forced a fight to try to eliminate them preemptively, even if the end result is the same as if they defeat the Demon Lord and save the world in their desperate effort to escape. Fair enough. Point three, the action must benefit others in some way. Save a fellow group member by taking the death rate of the chest, divert a stampede from destroying an orphanage, by riding uh, the lead beast off a cliff, stop a demon, alien, elder god invasion, etc. It can also benefit the hero heroes, but, the need, but there needs to be a significant benefit to others to qualify as heroic, in my opinion. That kind of harkens back to the concept of courageous being distinct from heroic that you touched on. Um, for a message that was supposed to summarize an idea, it sure ended up being wordy. Anyway, love the show. Keep up the great work. Fellow gamer, Craig Huber. Craig, thank you much, sir. I think, um, you just kind of helped. I think you added some more, um, gold plating is the wrong word, but you added some more, um, meat to our attempt to define it. So I like what you have there. I think that's good stuff. So thank you very much for writing in. Yeah. And Brett and I being meat eaters, uh, appreciate that. Absolutely. <laughs> Next one's yours, Sean. James emails us. Hi, guys. I enjoy your show and taking your advice. I started with one and worked my way forward. It's the only way to go. It's the only way to go. Uh, James follows instructions. Check. 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 He can be our friend. He will have a good review. His annual review. Follow, able to follow instructions. Number one. Oh, here's a question. I'm in listening to over a hundred episodes over the last, I came up with a couple of questions for you. Now I have to admit now that my advice of starting at one and listening forward. Now that we're over a hundred episodes, it's becoming more daunting the longer we continue with this. So that's uh, no longer a one-on-one uh, class. That's kind of a 200 level <laughs> class type of pre-requirement. Make sure you listen to all of this. That's right. Anyway, carry on, carry on. Number one, Sean, you often give Brett a hard time for, for preferring AD&D while, uh, while you give a lot of, while I give a, you, blah, 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 blah. while you give a lot of love to Top Secret, 
which is an equally dated game. Isn't your love of Top Secret based on some nostalgia? Yes, it is. And I don't know if I would actually have a love for Top Secret. I mean, I got my picture with Merle. We know Merle Rasmussen, who's the... Designer, developer. Designer, developer, yeah. And because it's not a great game, looking back. Like, I don't want to bust that sucker out anytime soon. But I do have a fondness for it. Yes. So, yes, I will answer the question. Yes. But do I raz you that much, Brett, about... A little bit. I get a little bit. I get a little bit of shit for the descending armor class and uh, some of that crap periodically. If you go, if you were to go back, listen to the last hundred episodes. I'm pretty sure there's a little bit in there. Apparently, I I have to go back and listen to the first 100 episodes. If you could hear yourself, Sean. If you could hear yourself. I've never listened to one of our shows. (laughs) That's a lie. Anyway, less than once. Less than narcissist. Anyways, number two, in latter episode, you start to latter episodes, I'm guessing, you start to talk about Knight's Black Agents and less about Top Secret. Would you still play Top Secret when you could play a gumshoe game instead? If so, why? Um, no. I probably wouldn't. I I do have, I mean, I was going to break out for a con, maybe Top Secret SI, which is the kind of second edition of Top Secret. Um, They revised a few things. I don't know. It makes maybe a little more sense, but I don't, I don't know if I would break it out as a campaign and play it over gumshoe now that gumshoe's around, but I haven't oh, played gumshoe right. yet. Well, I've, I have played trail Cthulhu. Yeah. Played with me and we are going to Yars. We have started up on uh, Knights Black agents game, which you'll be running. Correct. So I think once we have played Knights black agents and um, you get in the groove and you, and so on, I think you'll, default to that i think it's a hell of an espionage game i really think it is so we'll see yeah yes number three brett you often talk about your love of ad and i've played and discussed the game with many people and no two groups plays with the same rules is one of the reasons you love this version uh is that you have already house ruled it to ideally fit your tastes if so, what are some of the house rules you use, and do you invent new ones based on newer RPGs? Actually, at this point, the best way for me to define how I've house ruled AD&D, if you pick up the Osric system, um, old school reference index companion, if you grab that, which is free, you can get it from lulu.com, uh, Osric is out there, and that variation on AD&D is pretty much what my friends and I always played. It gets rid of things like weapon speed and some of those components of it. It's better organized. It is better laid out and so forth. What I do use my original AD&D books for are monsters, uh, magic items, and um, spells. If In case there's a difference in, in spell or a newer spell that they weren't able to carry over because of intellectual property and so forth. But the Osric system is pretty much my... If I'm going to play AD&D now, I use the Osric system as my default, which is basically rewritten, clarified um, AD&D. So that's my that's my preference if I'm going to do it. I do believe that <clears throat> I, I do. I, I shouldn't say believe. I know that you're absolutely right. Very few groups play it absolutely the same, which was kind of the the cool components of it. There's the cool components of Osric. I should say is that the core of Osric is basically the same core to what I have seen and from people I've talked about. 
it's the same core that almost everybody who did play AD&D and whatever variation used. Um, they may have tweaked a spell or they may have tweaked something else, but the core mechanics and how Osric um, deals with things is pretty much dead on from what I have seen. So that's my preference. And the last question, do other house rules I use and invent? So, oh, uh, new ones I invent based on newer RPGs. <coughs> Excuse me. The, um, the things I do now are more along lines of character gen and prep questions. Like I just set up, a, we kicked off a traveler game yesterday with my group. And going through there, we talked about their group, kind of a heisty game. Where, what was the last heist? Start off kind of going around the table. Beta, what was the last heist you did? Good. Kevin, what was the security thing you had to encounter? This, I come up with questions and I ask them. I had made the questions up off the top of my head, but <clears throat> went around and talked about how we learned and did things as a team or they learned and did things as a team. So those type of prep things um, are newer that I've gleaned from other books, but nothing mechanically really that I would do in there. So there you go. So no real new house, no house rules? Do you have a lot no, of house rules? Not for, uh, not for AD&D anymore. No. Because I just pull out Osric and I'm like this clunk. That's got everything I do. Sweet. Uh, number four, you've read a couple of messages from Pure Mongrel, who on the Wild Die podcast was revealed to be a frost giant. Would you mind asking him why frost giants prefer Foster's beer? Mongrel, d- please, God, tell me that you are not the one Australian man I've met or person. I should say I've met men and women from Australia that actually drinks Foster's beer. Every Australian I've ever met says that is what they, the Brits would call cooking lager. And that's not for drinking. Um, the only people I know who love Foster's, uh, are Americans, uh, people, that, people here, people from Australia who've lived there for a long time or born, raised and so forth. All the men and women, there, are like, Oh Christ, you drink that shit. That's, <laughs> That's what I've gotten. So, Mongrel, we're going to have to answer this for James. So, let, let us know. Do you drink? First off, are you really a frost giant? Because that, that'd be cool to know. Uh, and two, do you drink Fosters? We need to know. There you go. Uh, thanks for your time, James. P.S. It's afternoon. So, good afternoon. Good game and all. Nice. Good game and all. There we are. Good gaming all. There you go. Thanks for writing in, James. Hope we answered your questions. Cool. It's well, very good. We'll wait on the, the mongrel. Exactly. See if he writes in. <laughs> if. It's a matter of when. He probably I doesn't hear, even I mean, listen to us is, anymore. Is that a soapbox? There's a soapbox coming. I hear it. I hear it coming. <laughs> <laughs> of the hill people. He comments on episode 111. Hey, guys. Thanks for featuring my adventure generator. I made it uh, many moons ago in an attempt to make my life easier, but thanks really uh, needs to go to Andrew Shields, who was so nice enough to host the thing and inter- interface zero by gunmetal games, whose adventure generator was a big influence. If you like my adventure generator, considering supporting both of them. Well, very cool. Thank you of the Hill people. I yes. appreciate that. Yes. Yeah, so we want to give proper credit where credit is due. So we appreciate yeah. that. So yeah, support gunmetal games and Andrew Shields. If you like the adventure generator, we featured in an episode uh, last episode on that one eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Steele, Chris Steele, emails us. Good day. Not to be not to be mistaken for good day. Good day. Good day. <laughs> All right. All right. I wanted to comment on episode one hundred and seven, Evil Games, and one eleven. What is heroic? To me, these two episodes are related. Just two sides of the same coin. 
The I agree with that. Well, all right then. Sorry, I just had to agree with that right away. Carry on. The subject of what is evil recently came up at the end of one of my games. One of the kids in the group was excited to play an evil character partially fueled by his dad and I talking about your evil games episode. We have now successfully vicariously corrupted someone else's children. I think if if this podcast implodes from here on out, we have we have done the work that we set out to do. They play together at the organized play I run, so I only casually know them and needed to be a bit careful answering this question. After a moment, I boiled it down to a simple concept. Evil characters tend to do things that benefit themselves, and good characters tend to do things that benefit others. <laughs> He's never played in any of my games. Well, your loose definition of good is probably what <laughs> the problem is there. Anyway, carry on. Anyways. Ah, uh, do do do. I think that's easily ex- that. I think that's easily extended to heroic characters as well. They do things that benefit others. We all have a balance of both, but it's when that balance is tipped in one way or another, then then that makes a character evil or heroic slash good. Hmm. This is also how I could see an evil campaign working. The characters aren't out to destroy the world. They're out to exploit it as much as possible. Sometimes that will involve do, doing evil things. Sean, this goes to your theory that all players <clears throat> or characters are evil since there is an element in all games of, quote, give me the loot, unquote. Uh, however, raiding the dragon lair to slay the evil dragon that just destroyed a village and taking his loot is still heroic. But skipping the slaying part and just taking the loot and framing the next villager over, that's evil. Ah, choices. Keep up the great work, and I'll see you next week at Gamehole Con. Very cool. Now, yeah, I have player characters that are all typically, I mean, there's always one in my group that's always looking out for themselves. Yes, yep. But they're usually not really evil. They're usually chaotic good. Or selfish. Or neutral good, maybe. They want to find a balance that says good in the title, but not up front. <laughs> right. And they they kind of toe the party line. Yeah. But, but yeah, I don't expect them. I mean, if they come across something that they don't have to share with the party, they're going to take advantage of that. They'll go along because they're wanting, they don't want to be disruptive. But I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I think um, Craig's Craig's comment on Google Plus plus Chris Steele here, um, they both hit a similar chord right around doing for others. Right. So I think that, excuse me, from a heroic perspective, that is important. One piece here that Chris calls out, if you are coming to GameholeCon, Sean is a recruiter by trade, and he can recognize a face that he has seen like 200 years ago. I do not necessarily do that. So if you see Sean and I, at our table walking around and you recognize one of us and we may or may not recognize you, depending if you've posted a picture of your physical self, please do not feel shy to walk up and say something like, Hey, I'm Chris Steele. You're Brett. Nice to meet you. Or punch me. If that's really what you want to do, I could take a hit. Anyway, uh, point, <laughs> point is um, I don't, I may not recognize certain people. And I do not want to slight anybody simply because of my uh, poor facial recognition skills. So please, if you see me and I seem to be staring past you as if I don't know who you are, I'm just being an idiot. So please say hi anyway. It's the 100-mile stare Brett has. 
No, it's, it's the confused, like, what? Who? How? Where's that beer? What happened? All right. Goblin Tenchman. Next up, he emails us about traps. <clears throat> Hi, BSers. Just uh, got finished watching you on the YouTube, uh, the traps episode. You guys took uh look different to what I expected. See? <laughs> Speaking of. There you go. Right. Yeah. Brett and I, we have stand-ins. <laughs> like, yes. We're just, this is all, we record one track with our voices, and then we get yes. actors to step in and dub us. Yes. I'm actually a hell of a lot worse looking than I am on. Yeah, Brett is actually. Um, it's not good. Yeah, no. All right. So um, he continues with one of my favorite uh, gaming incidents involved the trap. It's 1989. We were about 15. And it's the start of our first grown up campaign rather than a series of one shots. I, as the DM, decide to open things up with a side quest reference episode 108 to warm things up. Oh, shit. I love He's going to go through all our episodes. Hey, Goblin Tenchman, this is uh, this is good. We we need we have an archivist. We you know, do. We have a, we have a couple archivists out there, and the Goblin seems to be one of them. <sighs> All right, uh, side quest episode one way to warm things up. The thieves in the party meet up with a local thieves guild. Reference episode one hundred nine. Organizations and refugees. The party is hired to raid a noble's manor house and kidnap the noble's eldest son so the noble can be blackmailed. Of course, episode one hundred seven. Evil games. Because the noble is very well connected, the Thieves Guild tells the party that it is vital that the guild is not implicated in the raid in any way. Each character is then given a small vial of red liquid and told to only, bold caps, only drink the vial's contents if it looks like they might get captured during the raid. The party is told that the vials contain a small quantity of a potion of etherealness, reference episode 106, unknown magic items, with only enough potion in each vial to allow them to escape the manor house grounds. They are also told under no circumstances to waste the potions and that these vials must be returned to the guild after the raid. The party enters the manor house and things go off the rails, <laughs> as they do. Uh, the party the party capture a pair of guards and order the guards to take the party to the strong room. Er, DM fail, no vault slash strong room in the map. Er, decide to sandbox this a bit. They get to the strong room door but fail to gain entry. I'm not giving these low levelers bags of loot. The characters then order one of the house guards to drink a vial of the potion given him by the thieves guild. The players somehow reason that the guard can enter the strong room. And then when the potion wears off, let the party into the strong room from the inside. Ooh, clever tricksy players. Mm. The guard drinks the potion and promptly drops dead foaming at the mouth. <laughs> I saw this coming. I totally saw this coming. And I, and I, and I love the goblin for this. The players are confused for a while. Then one player slowly figures it out. They weren't given small potions of etherealness. They're given vials of poison. The Thieves Guild would rather have them dead than caught. I really enjoyed how the party, more by luck than judgment, avoided the trap, but then figured the trap out. They never took anything at face value ever again. Keep up the good work. Oh, the opening remark is a bait and switch episode one oh seven. Uh, excuse me, episode sixteen. So um from the Goblin's henchman, that is awesome. That is awesome. And honestly, to be about fifteen coming up with that uh, level, it's not like a huge crazy trap thing, but that feels like in my teens, the first time I had something similar to that happen to me as a player went, Oh my God, it was like this revolutionary craziness because you weren't used to that kind of wonky double cross type of thing. That is awesome. That is very cool. Thank you for writing in on that one. That's awesome. Yeah. It's very nice. Edwin emails us. When I wrote about why magic items, I was thinking that the framework I came up with might be applicable to other areas of adventure creation. Let's give it a whirl. So this is going to sound really familiar if you 
heard us recite Edwin's email on magic item creating because he's going to substitute that in the following way. Why are, so I don't know how I'm going to read this. I will, I will say strike it, right? Okay. Yep. Why are strike magic items traps showing up to, to strike reward, punish the players after their PCs have been through some down up beats. This is about keeping the emotional roller coaster going. Punish might be the wrong word, but the ideas are there uh, to strike help. Prevent the PCs from overcoming some specific obstacle. To now the next one, to generally strike increase, decrease the power level of the PCs. This is the attrition you are talking about. Mm-hmm. Next one, to demonstrate the mood of the world. Next one, as a story hook. What do you think? <laughs> Cheers, Edwin. I think that works, actually. <laughs> it's a good, it's kind of the, oh, shit, I can't remember whose questions they were. I think it was Jared Sorensen had like three questions for a role-playing game. You know, what are the characters doing it? How do they get rewarded? And how do they go about doing it? Those type of things. So it's like, if I'm going to put a trap in there, what's it doing? Is it there to punish, prevent, decrease, demonstrate, or a hook? Yeah. Of some kind. And I think those are pretty cool. I think those are good. La- I think those are good. <sighs> if nothing else, kind of the, the background reason. I think we batted at this before over the last hundred and some odd episodes, but a lot of times getting into the subconscious or the reason behind the decision. Why is there a dragon in this room? Um, Because I needed a monster there. Okay. That might be a really shitty reason to have a dragon in the room. Maybe there's a better reason, you know? And so instead of just throwing a trap out there, well, it's a dungeon. There has to be traps in a dungeon. feels like a pretty shitty reason. Oh, it's there to punish players. It's there to prevent them from overcoming obstacle. Okay. Now we have a reason. What obstacle is there? Um, Attrition, so forth. Having those things in mind helps, in my opinion, make for a stronger trap and a better implementation of said trap in whatever the adventure is. I like it. That's good stuff. Thank you, Edwin. Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. So someone apparently does not mind Sean's Australian accent. Avi Waxberg, I'll let Pure Mongrel speak to the accuracy of your Australian accent. I think it's patchy. But I, for one, am definitely in favor of Sean and Brett reading in accents. Matt Martinez uh, replied back that said, Avi, uh, back to Avi and said, Sean's uh, quote unquote Australian accent reminds me more of the voice Eddie Izzard uses in his routine about buying groceries from a petrol station when the murderer in line behind him finally speaks. <laughs> I love Eddie Izzard. That's good. That's very good. Yeah, see, somebody likes uh, my Australian accent or whatever, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, you can't give me no accounting for taste and all that. So (laughs) (laughs) there's always one. There's always one. Somebody somewhere. (laughs) All right. All right. Let's get into the main topic of discussion. Talking about aging and role playing games, Brett. 
what, what was that? I in think so. Good, in my good ear. Her so. <laughs> stuff had been turned out and retired. He used to be like, Don, plate me armor and go into like caverns and things. So, um, my friends and I, my main gaming group, we said we want to play some Traveler. I've never run Traveler. I've played it before. It's been forever since I've rolled up a character sheet. Oh my God. I forgot how compl- how uh, convoluted it can be. However, still a ton of fun. We're using the Mongoose Edition, for those who care. Um, through that process, you start off, your character says you're 18, and every career path you go through, you age four years. And along those lines, at the very end, you're taking, oh, you've gone through X number of careers, you're this old, you roll on this chart, you get different dice modifiers based on how old you are, how many careers, and you have losing stats and ranks and bonuses and stuff, because, hey, you're 60 now, Guess what? You're not as spry as a 20 year old type of thing. So it does that. And then that got me thinking of, I remember in second edition D and D, I think first edition has this too. Almost every version of every game I've played. I shouldn't say every game. A lot of games I've played have had some talk about what happens when you get older, right? A decrease in something, especially if you have spells or in fantasy games, like what happens with the potion of aging? Or um, I remember people wanting to make sure their elf, their elves were wizards because when wizards had to cast spells that aged them, they didn't care because they lived for literally thousands of years and they really didn't mind. Um, and it was it's interesting that because of the other piece that came to me, what made the topic come to my mind is so we do that once, and everyone's fifty or sixty years old. They're they basically are the traveler equivalents. And this didn't happen in my group, but if you think about it, you're kind of basically you're playing Traveler and everyone's the equivalent of the movie Red, retired and extremely dangerous from the movie and comic book fame. Um, don't know what that is. Um, look it up. And you're like, oh, that's fine. It totally makes sense. And then halfway through the adventure, there's nothing that changes that, right? There's nothing in the storyline that it matters to. Oh, he's 60 years old. Yeah, but he took all the ben- penalties he's supposed to have. So he still has a strength of, you know, 1875 in yeah, ADD terms or that's, whatever. Yeah, that's that's wrong. I know. <laughs> but if when the rules go through, when you apply the rules, whatever the mechanic is to age the character and take the and take the penalties or whatever it is, you're like, okay, cool. I get it. All right. Off. Yeah, you're playing an old person. Yes, this character, she's very old. She's a wizened grandmother. Off we go. And especially when we were kids, it never affected anything in game. The story never changed. No one ever complained, oh, my hip, oh, you know, oh, my whatever's acting up. Nothing nothing like that would ever happen other than periodically just to be silly. But there was never an impact to the storyline if your character was like 70 years old and they could go in and fight the same dragon that the 30-year-olds could do. Or they could do the same, you know, ninja fighting Dracula in Night's Black Agents routine that in that a, some uh, counterintelligence wet work person could do in the prime of their career. So I thought, Sean, do you have you ever dealt with aged characters or aging of characters in games? Um, have you used a rule system or just kind of thematically changed things or anything like that for for characters? Yes. Good. Could you explain that or how you've done it? Give me an example. So AD and D first edition, we did we did play by the age rules. Um, many of us started out relatively young. Um, but yeah, it's, it was interesting because it's, I don't know for those that play or don't play AD&D first ed, but it's based on, I mean, that's, I think 
where it started somewhat. Well, aside from Traveler, I think there might be some argument on whether Traveler came first or D&D or whatever, but maybe not. Tra- uh, AD&D was based on whether you were human or demi-human, and then it was mm-hmm. based on class. Yeah. And we we did it. I mean, I if I was Elvin, and they had the age categories, so if I was middle-aged, then I would have a minus one strength. And a minus one con. And then, but did you play? Did you play the character different though? Well, so this is this is the argument here. If we get into that, mm-hmm. is whether or not you let the mechanics, um, you let the mechanics influence the play, or yes. or role play. So if we're gonna get into that, that's a that may be a whole different story. That goes to. Well, how do I pro, uh, role play an eighteen intelligence if I'm if me Sean am only a ten intelligent player? Yeah, so I get that, and I I think you're right. It does it does connect. And I'm, I guess I'm curious as to when I see mechanics like that in a game system, and I think back to that one or travel or whatever. I'm like, that's cute, but there's nothing in the how you use skills or how you do anything. The only impact that they can have mechanically that I have seen in those games anyway, is it hurts your stats, uh, maybe limits a skill or gives you more wisdom or something because you're older and uh, weaker now that you're in your 90s or something. But there's nothing that stops you from trying to, you know, climb a 500-foot cliff as a 90-year-old thief other than the fact that you may have a minus on your skill check or whatever it is based on your stat, your stat penalty. Right. So, right. I agree. And, and I think, I mean, I don't know. Um, dare I say that. That's not enough. Damn well, it. well, do I dare say that's shitty role-playing? I am don't I, think, I think. Am I out of line? Am I out I of line not. by saying that? No, you're not. I think you absolutely call that. I think the other piece that goes with that statement is then if the game master doesn't enforce that, then it's obviously not important. Uh, maybe not. Now I am currently playing a 60 year old wizard in curse of Strahd, but started out in a homebrew. Okay. And my history and my reputation is based on my character's age. Now, not mechanically it's written into the story. And I, I play the guy like an old man. And I'm sure I've taken, like, I've rolled him up and went, okay, he's 60 minus strength yeah. and intelligence. But you're, you're actually playing that, though. As a matter of fact, I play him. I don't, I don't call any of the player characters by their name. Well, I don't play, I don't call any of the player characters by their correct name. Yeah, you've got the whatever, you, Timmy, Tommy, yeah. Timmy, And they, they're like, oh, you know, and they get, oh, seriously? And I'm like, yeah, whatever, whatever, Brian. <laughs> of course, yeah. That's it's Brian, 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 and I on the podcast tonight. Does your game master encourage, discourage, or is uh, in? I guess enforce slash make that a thing that you're old. Does that come into play? Uh, no, he, not he, that sixties old out there for people. Or let's have yeah. the lumber friends were pushing right. sixty. This is not old. Well, you should read some of the stuff that are in some of these books about age, man. It's kind of ridiculous, like. I don't know if you um, like for top secret, 
like it states every five years over 50, you lose um, like 10 points in both physical strength and coordination. And then like in travel, I think was one eight, 34. It says 34 aging begins to take its toll. At 34? At 34, man. In Original wow. Traveler, it says oh, wow. in the book, 34 aging begins to take its toll. That's true. It does. Yeah, I just I just did that. Yeah, it does. So 18. Yeah, 34, you start to hit penalties on your your dice modifiers, get hit with negative ones for every group after that. Yeah, so at 34, it starts to hit you. Then you have an aging crisis in yes, Original Traveler. Yes, you do. So if you fail a freaking, you get down to zero, you have a save. And if you don't make the save. Oh, you could die in the original Traveler. Mongoose is an issue. You can't die during character gen, but you could die in the original character gen system. Well, you become quite ill in the original one. You you, you have to make the save at eight plus, yeah, And if okay. you don't, you, then you do die. But if you save, you it, the stat becomes a one. And that's kind of the stimulation of drugs or whatever, but. So I guess what I guess what we're saying though is that I think the whatever the game system is, if it has a mechanic for it, that's great. That helps. But if the player doesn't, it's shitty role playing. If you make a character who's seventy years old and you don't ever play like you're seventy, right, in some way, mm -hmm. shape, or form, um, you don't necessarily have to be a stereotypical seventy year old um, anachronistic person. You just need something to like you did with uh, not wanting to learn anybody's name or just being cranky or whatever it is that you want to do, get off my lawn, whatever it is your thing. Um, the other piece I really think that from, we've talked about this before is that because the truth of whatever is going on in the game is at the table. If the game master doesn't through the world enforce the fact that you looking like a, your character looks like a wizened elderly crone who happens to be a 10th level, you know, druidess. Well, that's great, but somebody may call her grandmother or they may reference her by, by those type of terms or, or whatever, or, or somebody in say a traveler game, if they see this person like, Hey, I don't think, you know, they'll see Sean's character and go, wow. Um, scar on one eye, missing his nose. He's, you know, all grayed out. He looks like he's just beat to hell. Hey, probably. Typical, not very typical Monday at the office. Typical Monday at the office. But if the NPCs, if the world doesn't react to you either dismissively because of your age or dis uh, either eight or old or dismissively because of your youth or something, a preconceived notion usually sets in. Some stereotypical something occurs because someone will treat you that way. Um, now I, think you then, I think you're doing a an injustice, an injustice to the player's character and their choice to make an older character. Now, you're assuming a game where age is obvious. Cause you, yes, you could, that's where I'm starting out with, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because you could play in a Star Trek game where they say in the FASA rules that age isn't a factor because of the time frame of when Star Trek actually takes place. You know, it's the, the advancement of geriatrics techniques is what they they call it. Well, in that case, then it doesn't matter, right? Right. It's basically that that mechanic is telling you, dude, you could be ninety years old, no one gives a shit. Although, it's funny in that game because they keep they tell you to keep track of your like your tours and your schooling and all that stuff. Which so you, keep track of your experience. Like, hey, I have right. been. I'm ninety five years old, but and I'm still as spry as I was in my twenties. But I have a list of accomplishments 
and medals and things I've done because for the past 60 years, I've been active duty in this thing, or I've been studying or becoming a doctor or something along those lines. Correct. <clears throat> so I think that's the other thing that you do as a, as a player with you. We've talked about this character of yours before that he's 60 and he was, he references knowledge that he has mm-hmm. about different things. Oh yeah. I saw that, or I've been here before. I've seen something similar to that. Yeah. I, I'm a, I, well, and I inherently am a, I'm older. So I, I can look back further than the young bucks I'm adventuring with. And I research and I've been doing research since I've retired from when I was consulting with regents and uh, royalty and advising them on warfare and strategy. So inherently, whenever it comes up, if there's something that someone should probably know something, it's to me. Yeah, that's how when uh, one of my first Avalon games, my buddy Alpha played a character, Joseph, uh, Joseph Kerwin. He was a uh, liche, this the priest of the old faith in the city. And he's old, like old, wrinkly. He he found this great picture on the internet. This looks like this aged cleric guy. And uh, he's old as all hell. He's not really strong, all the good stuff. He had this big, you know, bell he used as a mace, blah, blah, blah. But his whole thing was, I've been here forever in this dock ward of the city. I know this area better than anybody else. I've been through every alley, every cemetery. I know all the families. I know all this stuff. So what he would do was then... To make that come out, that was his background. And to make it something that was interesting was then his character would, he didn't have like hard of hearing per se, but he would fake it periodically to get the bad guys to get annoyed with him as a distraction. He would do that. He'd be like, oh, I can do this because I'm old. I can go in there and, and pretend I can't hear them or something. Or when he would do something, he'd be like, hey, I know I've been here before, Brett, um, because of my background. My assumption is, tell me if I'm wrong, my assumption is I know the guy at the tack and harness shop or I know this lady who runs the bakery or the lady who runs this store or the inn or something because I've been through here a thousand times. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Give me a name. Give, give me something I can work with. And there's no, there was no mechanic that I can think of in Pathfinder when we were first playing with that character using that system. There's no mechanic in there to give him an extended list of contacts because he was old, like you said, with um, keeping track, as you said, in Star in Star Trek, excuse me, of the your tours of duty and research and blah, blah, blah. It didn't, there was nothing in there for that, but he did that anyway as a player. So that way that cool background thing came up. And then the fact that he was old, he couldn't do certain things. You know, the young buck, uh, Lenny's character, who was this, you know, uh, pit fighter, super tough, SOB guy, he had his moments to shine, but when it came down to finding anything out or getting them out of whatever particular jam they got into, that was Joseph because he knew the city better than anybody else. Yeah, man, that's good stuff. I mean, it that's the thing is that a lot of player characters, even if you do have age in the beginning, they, I mean, I think I've heard somewhere on some podcast where Gygax was huge on keeping track of time. Like you got to yes. keep track of time times. You always got to do that. And nobody really, I don't think people do as closely. And we touched on it on an episode some time ago, huh? Time ago. Huh, huh, huh. Exactly. But at this, at, at the same time, her, 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 her. <laughs> drink is every time we say time or year, Jeez. take a drink. Yeah. Um, but I mean, how many characters or GMs go, okay, well, it's been a year, everybody age a year. All right. Boop. And then you go to the book and say, oh, I just turned, you know, whatever, 105 and I'm an elf and now I'm considered mature versus young adult. Yeah. 
and then and what does that, what does that mean or yeah. does it mean anything at all right i think um from a calendar perspective which we we talked about calendaring and all that as you as you alluded to i think that it's it's cool to be able to mark birthdays and and do that type of thing sometimes though that that necessitates a very long campaign where that matters and that's where i think sometimes the um the protracted rules for hey as you go along and as you age throughout the length of this multi-year campaign not a lot of us have the opportunity at least from what i've seen online and from folks i've talked to to do what we used to do where you could run a game for three years in real time like every saturday or as often as you could get together and play the same rogue and ranger combinations and clerics as they all made their way up or whatever game you're playing because we don't have that long that long-term aging may or may not necessarily be something that we pay attention to. But I think that, so not only just starting off with, I think using a character that's older and using those rules and then enforcing it in gameplay from a game master and a player perspective makes for some great role-playing opportunities. And I think it can be a lot of fun. I mentioned the movie red, which I know is based on a, I think a graphic novel series. Um, I have toyed with the idea of having an entire game of nothing but like retired adventurers that have to come out of retirement. I thought that would just be great. You know, they, they may not have necessarily the best stats, but you know, they're going to have so much experience and just trying to figure out a, I want to find the right system or set of mechanics or something where we could do <clears throat> where they're like, look, you, you have something, you have uh, a bit of knowledge from 20 years ago, 50, 60, hundred years ago. You could just pull up and say, Oh yeah, I remember this, this is how you deal with this problem. Fine, strap the armor on, get the guns, go off and do the thing, you know, a la uh, Unforgiven with uh, Clint Eastwood, that type of thing. Just somebody comes out of retirement to come back and be a bad motherfucker all over again. I think oh, that'd be fun. And we we actually played that game. We, uh, Doc, uh, I forgot about that. So at one point in time, we, I think it was Doc's game or was it Jimmy's? Anyways, that's what we played. We played old retired adventurers that were gathered to kind of save save the area and save the land. Now we didn't I can't remember. I don't think we started at first. Maybe we did. I don't I cannot remember the details. It's been a year or two now. Okay. But, but we did. We all started out as you know, old crusty dudes that used to adventure together. Um that. That's actually, I, I think the other, you, you mentioned the first level and that reminded me of something I wanted to bring out was that if you're playing a level-based game, you're like, well, you know, I did 16 tours of duty because, you know, I was in this group of military. I did this. I was in blah, blah, blah. And now you're a venerated elven, whomever, and you're a, you know, a king of the dwarven people or you're ancient, whatever. That is a great opportunity to say, look, I'm not, you're going to get dinged for like stats and maybe some skill points or ability shit because you're old. Your men and women are they're older, but you're all eighth level. You're all tenth level, right? Because you retired at like the peak. Yeah, you might not have quite the endurance or whatever it is. You might have to go through a feat based system and say, look, you know, your endurance doesn't let you do everything you thought it used to. Because guess what? You can't. Maybe modify our two here and there. But that's a great piece to start off with. Like, look, everyone, y'all want to play? I did that one time with a, a group of guys, and they're like, "Well, I want to start off like tenth level." I'm like, "Okay, everyone's like, you know, y'all have to be like fiftieth level or fifty years old." Why is it? Cause you don't just wake up at 10th level at 18. That's horseshit. Well, maybe not 50. I said, okay, we got to pick an age though. I mean, something you don't just wake up in your 10th level and all of a sudden everybody's spry and 25 years old and prime of their life. That's not going to happen. So at least that was 
you know, how we had the world. That, so I think that's just another level or level of flavor and fun you can add to that type of a, we're going to bring the retirees out. I'm like, oh, God, why would that be entertaining? You're all 20th level wizards, dude. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm a 20th level fucking wizard. This could be pretty goddamn fun. You know, great opportunity to play a high level game, but with still a little bit of a downside, if you will, or a balancing component. Yeah, you touched on something that was going to, that, that pained me on it. Hmm. The level thing, I think it was what it was. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> so do you have, I mean, I'm pretty sure that between us and, <coughs> excuse me, damn it, um, our listeners, other people have done this. It's not like, oh my God, so on and so forth. But I don't get, I get the distinct feeling that it's not that common. If I look at my gaming group, there are only a handful of people I've played with over the last 20 plus years that don't mind or purposely, I should say purposely seek out playing characters that are older men and women that want to play players. Excuse me. That want men and women characters that are older, that are older grandparents or something along those lines. I don't get a lot of that. And maybe that's just because not all the players think it's very heroic to be elderly or something along the lines and elderly can be a, a harsh term that turns people off, but Sean, is it prevalent in the games you, you've encountered the last few years or kind of not as much? No, I'm going to tell you why. Ready? Hit me. Because unless they're role players, R-O-L-E players, they, they don't, they don't want to get into that. Yeah, I, that's that's my opinion because... I think you're dead right, man. I really think you are. Because I think if you get into... I mean, sure, yes, you can be old and you can modify your your abilities, which may modify your skills uh, better or worse, right? But I think that to be heroic, they don't equate to being older, which that is may not be a fair statement, but I think that is my, that's what my gut tells me. That that plays the piece in their decision. Yeah. And I mean, it's all about, you know, it's, it's a, it's kind of like sports, man. It's a it's a young man's game. Yeah, not a lot of young uh, six-year-old game. quarterbacks. Yeah. Not a lot of six-year-old quarterbacks in the NFL or what. Yeah, they're retiring at what? I mean, 30 year old? Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh my God, he's 40 and he's still playing his position. Wow, she's an Olympic athlete and she's in her 30. She's in her 30s. Like, oh, craziness. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, okay. So I think a lot some of those games is they're just um I mean, I don't know. If you're going to be a fighter and you're going to get older and lose a point of strength, it goes contrary to what you're trying to do, which is going to go up in level and become better, better, bigger, badder ass. Unless you're a role player. Unless you're a role player and you're wanting to get into it on that side of things, which you can kind of, you know, say, screw some of those stat things that. Because I think that's there's kind of two different. I don't know, maybe not two different players, but ten, ten, you tend to lean one way or the other. Well, even if it's not a player tendency, if it's a thing you want to do this game, right? Or mm-hmm. if it's a thing that you're more comfortable doing. Yes, you maybe could do the other, but it's not fun for you. That's different. Other people, some I should say, I, I have met uh, some gamers who flat can't do the one or have no desire to learn it. They their goal is always. Um, Build, 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 build. Eventually, make a new character. Build, 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 build. Make a new character. That that cycle. They don't really get into you know what my character is like or where he's from or how anything like that works or any of that shit. They don't care. They just want a build. You know, kill stuff and take their money. That's called grinding in the MMORPG world. <laughs> it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Which is 
well, I can't play it, which is why I can't play those games because that just bores the shit out of me. But I think kind of to when we had our Bard episode a while back, speaking of ancient episodes here, um, Bards are for role-playing. And I think that this is another opportunity to take a character type or a class that you really like to play. I like to play half-elven rangers. I really like half-elven rangers. I'm going to take a half-elven ranger who's 150. I'm going to try that, you know, or whatever the age bracket is for the character class. Or, you know, I want to be in Traveler, and I'm going to push it so I'm 60. I'm going to be in Star Trek or Star Wars. I want to be older and uh, give myself something else to work with. So it's not, even if the game master doesn't say, if they're like, well, okay, whatever. It's something you as the player can bring up. It's no different than any other background, really. It has some immediate effects on your on the numbers on your character sheet. But it's basically just another background thing that you as the player need to bring up. Because if you keep bringing it up, any game master worth his or her salt, she'll look at that and say, you know what, Sean and Brett, they keep bringing up the fact that this is a thing. And they got Phil and Chris like kicking in on the old man, grandpa vibe and the joking and stuff. You know what? I'm going to have some NPCs start treating them like this. So then it becomes a thing. So I think I'm um, not a real necessarily meaty, heavy duty topic, but I think it's one more thing that players can do to take an old idea or something that's kind of like, oh yeah, you're you're a dwarven cleric again. Really? Another one. Oh, you're a space ninja. Oh yeah, again, space ninja. Why don't you be, you know, a 95-year-old space ninja? Try that. A little different. Well, and you can always, yeah, you can always incorporate that into the kind of the plot, story, whatever. So if you know, these little snot-nosed bastards that think they're adventurers like are gonna take on some great task for you know, king and country, queen and country, whatever. And then it's like, really? You get no credibility here, you little, little you know whippersnapper. I'll, I'll let you go if you take Angela's character. If you take Angela's character, because she she's 65 years old. She's hardened in battle. She knows everything about this place. You take her. You bring her with you. If you can get her to go with you, young punks, maybe you can do something. Yeah, so I think it's got a, you know, if, if you got a player that wants to kind of take into the age game um, and embrace that, a game master's got to, they got to leverage that. Absolutely. I think the, the if you take it too far, like, oh, don't don't break a hip. Oh, you broke your hip. I mean, those, <laughs> that can get a little old. I mean, we, we do have mechanics for stat differences and so forth. Um, and if you push any background concept too far, it can be kind of hokey or it's, it's, it's too kitschy. You push it too much, but um, the player should use it and um, leverage it throughout. I think, I think it makes for some really fun times. I, I go back to what you said about your current character, your major playing my buddy Alf when he was playing Joseph. Um, Kevin has played, uh, played uh, um, an elderly grandmother in an Avalon game too. He was great at that. It was a really, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Zave has played older guys before. It's just it's fun, and they they pushed it, and they just they use that as a springboard for how they treated the world around them and how they treated other player characters. Like you said, you know, forgetting someone's name, referred to everybody as Sunny Kid, whatever. Well, part of that is true because I couldn't like at times I had their names written down, and I started like calling them the wrong like just like so. Um, one of the guys' names character's name is uh, Valdemar. And then there's another one called Herzig. So I call them Vortemort and Herzog. You know, I mean, it, it's like close enough where you're like, yeah, I remember the name. And literally it started out with 
I wrote them down and I'm like, okay, you're this guy, you're that guy, you're this person. And then I started calling them by the wrong name and they're like, what do you, that, that's not my name. So then I just like, yeah, okay, whatever, Voldemort. I'm just going with it now. <laughs> yeah. And then it would be like Vildahar, you know. Yeah. My name's not Vildahar, whatever. And then, you know, if I didn't remember a game session, it didn't matter because I'd just be like, huh? What? What happened last week? <laughs> I don't like, remember. Oh, don't you remember you talk? We talked to this guy, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I you're don't. talking about. Where, what are we doing right now? <laughs> I'll tell you else who, who's actually a lot of fun with it right now. It's uh, Tom Flanagan is playing uh, Grandma in uh, an Avalon game. I'm running for uh, uh, for Kebthulu, Emily, and Chris and Tom, and it's uh, and it's a lot. He's he's doing a really really good job. He's uh, he's. <laughs> He's, he's got a lot of really kind of, uh, okay, I'm going to do this. I'll do that. He's not like going crazy over the top with it, but you know, his character is older, the way he plays her, the things he does, though, how she approaches problems, uh, never rushes in, you know, it's just the way he's methodically going about presenting this character. It's very clear. She's elderly, but she's also really fucking lethal. Cause she's, you know, she's a Druid and she has some pretty powerful spells and she's walked the crap out of a few people already. So, it's uh, it's fun. It's like I said. I think it's and Tom's a hell of a role player too. Like Kevin and those and the guys I mentioned. And I mean, you, and you do a damn good job too, Sean. So no slouch to you as well. Yeah, but thanks, dude. I think it's. I think that's. It's one more opportunity for players to do that. And then game masters don't squash it. Don't squelch it. Um, encourage them to do that. If somebody picks a character and they say, "I want to be an older person," and they're really into it, make that note and help them help them along because I think it can be fun. Or at the same time, we didn't talk about playing a kid. No, we didn't. I, got, I wanted. To, I so I thought one of my things that I was going to do, and I don't know if I, or maybe it was we something we touched on before. Or you mentioned it, Brett. I can't remember, but when I was playing Pathfinder, I played a um, summoner, and okay. I thought the perfect summoner would be like a ten or twelve year old kid who grew up with you know imaginary friends. Only they weren't really imaginary or oh, they didn't, yeah, they didn't yeah, yeah. foster themselves until they're like a player character class of the summoner. So <laughs> what, you know, I mean, it's kind of like Pokemon for Pathfinder, right? So when, yeah. you, <laughs> so just imagine having like, 20. you know, a 13 year old, 12 year old kind of approach to fantasy that summons creatures and the creatures are his buddies and maybe his or her buddies. And they, they, he, he or she names them when they get summoned and they fight. And, you know, I've actually, this, this hits me. I've actually heard of recently, um, games like monster hearts and, um, there's a couple other like teen drama games, Bubblegum yeah. shoe and, um, other games similar to that or no, thank you evil for kids and so on. And there's been, it feels to me, and I'm probably way off in this. People out there know indie games, small book games, hell a lot better than I do. But I see, or people talk about a lot. Of, oh, you get to play kids. You get to play kids. You get to play younger people and so on. I don't, man, maybe there's not a big market for this. <laughs> you get to play 85-year-old pensioners. This will be great coming out of retirement. I don't know if such an action, if there's a game with that as a premise that exists, like a game with mechanics in it. Playing old like, old farts or what? Playing, old, playing older people, like retirees, oh. like from Red or, oh, or something along those lines. You're you saying know, on, uh, you're saying to the contrary. Yeah, to the contrary. I think there are a lot of a, a lot being you know a, a few that I can think of off the top of my head that when you're playing like Bubble Gumshoe, it's a yeah. teenage, it's teenagers, right? Um, Buffy, Buffy, that type of stuff. 
Yeah, universe. Uh, what is it? The uh, setting for Savage Worlds, Texas oh, University, uh, East Texas University. Yeah, ETS, ETU. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is really cool. I don't. And maybe this is something now that we're getting older, Sean. We should sit down and come up with a crotch of the old bastards and dragons game or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it's the opposite. We all just play a bunch of struggling freshmen in ETU or high school and. Oh, those are some bad days. Those are some terrible days. God. <laughs> it was not fun. No. But I, I actually, that was kind of one of the reasons why I picked the, uh, the the concept of playing older characters versus younger ones. Because I think the playing a younger person gets a lot of uh, attention or a lot more attention, I should say, than playing someone who's aged. At least that's just my perspective. Yeah. Cool. cool. Should we go on? Yeah, are we, we done? Should, yeah. I think we're good. Let's move on. All right, let's get into die roll. Die roll two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to bring to your attention. Brett's got a couple. I've got uh, three, and we've got one from a listener. Uh, we probably have a couple from listeners, but we, we didn't get them down, so no. Yep, just, just grabbed a few. Yeah. All right, first one I have is an abandoned Arctic Nazi base was found. Hey, if there's uh, something in the, in the Arctic, it's going to be... There's a base abandoned in 1944 after this, um, that has been found. Russian scientists located this sucker. It's in the Arctic. It is apparently... Let's see here. It's located on the island of Alexandra Land, 1,000 kilometers from the North Pole. So, kind of cool. Link in the show notes. Check that out. I think that type of thing is sweet. Do they have one in the Antarctic? You know they, they may. You know they do. Well, yeah, the Shagas ate them, though. Oh, good point. Yeah. So the other one I had is there's a link to this um, article here. The internet is still is actually controlled by 14 people who hold seven secret keys. What? Yes. So apparently the whole internet is protected by seven highly protected keys in the hands of 14 people. I have no idea if this is true or not or along those, uh, along those lines, but I think it's kind of it's one of those pieces where if you're thinking like talking about spy games and stuff at the beginning, right? Um, you want a big super villain, something. Oh, really? The whole internet's based on this one guy's idea. I'll take that. Um, you know, how do I crumble infrastructure? Oh, it turns out the only person who understands this cryptography is Bob. We'll take Bob and deal with that or whatever. So interesting, whether it's true or not, it would, could make for a really good story plot. I think so. I'm going to have to read that, man. That's, uh, that intrigues me. I thought it would felt like it was up your alley. Yeah. I like Sean. Yeah. You've got the next ones. Uh, first one, killscreen.com features an article entitled Dungeons of the Mind, Tabletop RPGs as Social Therapy. Hmm. Take a look at that. Um, I think we've mentioned how it benefits people. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. There, there you go. Another one. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't, uh, I don't know how scientific it's based, but. Nonetheless, number it's worth a read. It is worth a read. Link in the show notes. Number two, Dungeons and Dragons is changing how it makes books. It's from they're an no art. longer using paper; they're using rocks. They're going. No, I'm kidding. Right, <laughs> chisel, stone, <clears throat> or maybe they're just using a different method. Of that could be making paper. Anyways, read it. Uh, they talked to Merle's about it, uh, compares it to Game of Thrones for whatever reason. I think it has to do with like Game of Thrones. Oh, I know what it is. So on, it was uh, dropped October 19th, 2016 on Polygon. 
But he talked to Merles about it, who's kind of the overseer of the Dungeons and Dragons RPG. And they were talking about the monster manual. So the monster manual has always been the same kind of format since the times it came out. And now what he wants to do is make it almost more narrative. And I think there was a snippet, like they put out a couple previews. Yep, they've got some pages in there. Yep. Um, so it was fe- featured on Watsy, but um, Polygon did an article based off of that. So yeah, interesting concept. Wow, like hey, just like I deal with in corporate America, we don't have to do things the same way every day for twenty years. What? Come on, no. Yeah, it's my nuts. A character's in his seventies. He's a clerk. He doesn't want to change nothing. And you know the funny thing is, this is what my kills target me. Target sixteen yeah. rods to the hog's head, and that's the way I likes it. You know what kills me, Brett? Yes. So people will complain about how our hobby changes, right? Oh, yes. And they're the same people playing games that are 20 years old. So who gives a shit? <laughs> I just, don't, just don't play the new game. Yeah, it's a weird thing. We've talked about it's You so weird. talked about that. Maybe not on the mics, but do you have your first dish AD&D games? Yeah, it's the best game ever. Why do why you care what anybody else ever puts out then? Yeah, or what other people what, are playing. That's all the beauties of a dead game. If you have all the books that they've ever made for it, you're done. <laughs> you don't need. You don't need to go. You're. You're fine. You're done. You. You. you totally caught them all. There you go. Anyways, number three, last one on my list. Google researchers build networks that invent their own encryption. Okay. Hmm. So artificial intelligence, man. You have to destroy it. Okay. They have. So they have a scenario where they've. They've got. I forgot what they called them. Adam and Eve. It's not Adam and Eve, but it's male, female. They call the networks and they're, they task these two AI algorithms to come up with their own encryption so they could talk to each other. And then they came up with a third party. I don't remember what the third party was named. That third party's job was to decrypt that, those messages between the two. And they, that third party couldn't do it quick enough to the other two. And as a matter of fact, I don't know if Google researchers actually know how they're doing it. Hmm. Crazy yeah, shit. Unplug it, turn it off, smash it. Uh, no, it's beyond You, you want, you want, you know, kill it, destroy it. You, you can't, man. Yes, you can. Cyberdyne systems, man. It's all over. You want Terminators? Because this is how you get Terminators. They're uh, in the future, man. We're just, they just haven't made the jump back yet. Oh, uh, that would be great. Um, Ezreal Orocho from a lister, uh, gave us a couple here. He had a, cl- one link. It will take you to a collection of dungeon maps. It's on RPG. Now it's a pretty cool little thing. It's only three bucks, two ninety nine. Nice little collection of dungeon maps. I love having pockets full of these things on my, um, iPad just to have for that. Oh my God. They decided to go somewhere. I need a dungeon. These things are always great to have. And speaking of maps and such, he also uh, pointed us towards a isometric map builder for RPGs. Um, I believe we've got a, there's a Kickstarter out there. I think I don't know if we have this this one. Oh, just just Dungeon Builder isometric isometric map maker. I think we may have mentioned this one before, but I thought it was really cool. Um, anyway, just want to throw a link out there, have people take a look at it. So cool stuff. Yeah, there's a, uh, I think it, we didn't list it, but there was gaming paper. I don't know if you've ever, have you ever messed with gaming paper, Brett? I have seen it and my buddy Lenny had it. It seems interesting. It just, unfortunately, it's kind of expensive for one use things. Yeah. So I had a bunch of rolls, um, but they came out with isometric gaming paper. So you could do isometric maps on it. 
Oh, very and cool. And I believe that's, I think that's kickstarting and probably done and complete, but um, yeah. I thought it was, I think, I like isometric maps. They're super, I like the, I think they're cool. Oh, they're really neat looking. Yeah. They're very cool looking. Yeah, that's, that's it, man, right? I think we're done. Sweet. We got a big week in front of us, so Holy yeah. cow. Speaking of being old, we'll see if we can survive this, actually get an episode out next week like we're supposed to. So we should maybe even mention quickly what we're going to, what the game plan is at GameholeCon, which is a gaming convention in Madison, Wisconsin, the first mm-hmm. weekend of November. Uh, we're going to be there. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, get your ass to GameholeCon, which we will be there, probably be there next year. Um, already previewed their badges. I see somebody that Jeff Rademacher, I think, is involved with. Helping them with the badges. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Anyways, so Brett, Friday, what are we doing? Do you know? Do you remember? I've got games. This freaking guy. I got a game. I got to run. And you got uh, you got a game you're running too on Friday, don't you? I do have a game I'm running on Friday. I have got a, you and I have an interview Thursday before the con. We're doing that one. Oh shit! We have uh, who are we? Are we interviewing? Is that? Yeah, yeah. Who else have we got on Friday? What's going on Friday? Which one is that? So Friday is the. I'm pulling it up right now as I delay for time. Um, come on, Google Docs. So Friday we will be. Uh, we have the Watsi seminar at 10 a.m. That's right. Then at noon I run my Force Five from Alderaan. And then I'm done at two. And yeah, I have, and I go from two p.m. to six. I got a four-hour shot of Siege at the Forsaken Inn. That's my Merp game on Friday. So starting at two, going for four hours there. So as Brett is doing that, um, <clears throat> there is a potential of us picking up the Mark Miller seminar. So if you're not familiar with who Mark is, he's he's the guy behind Traveler. Almost every edition, except for maybe GURPS. I don't know if he was involved with that one, but Mark. I think, I think he was. Yeah. But so that's Friday. Uh, so literally, I might be done at two o'clock. And if I am, uh, who knows? Maybe I'll, who knows what I'll do? Who uh, That might be a good break for me. Yeah. If we've got uh, space at the table, you could run something. I mean, yeah. maybe get, maybe uh, grab Sneezak, make him run some Dungeon World for you or something. That's that may be it. And then Saturday, and then we may be doing a, I don't know, we haven't decided we're going to recap the whole con or day mm-hmm. by day, but uh, we don't know if we, I mean, if, if you, listener, fan, appreciate that stuff. We may do it in one of our episodes, like that weekend. And just sum up the whole weekend. Right? Fair enough. But Saturday. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Saturday I have a I have a 10 a.m. game to save ourselves, which is my Warhammer first edition fantasy roleplay day game. That's from 10. That'll go for four hours. That'll keep me busy for a bit. And I got but that. I got one too. Same at, time? At 10 to 2. Awesome. That's my forget about it. <clears throat> Savage right. World Savage Worlds game. And the nice part is because we'll be in the same area, you can um You'll have the same problem that Alpha's had running next to me at, at a small convention is that I'm loud. So that'll be fun. We'll oh, be yeah. shouting over each other. Well, that's just fantastic, Brett. <laughs> and then at two o'clock after we're done, we rush yes. off to catch Monty Cook games. So yep. Monty yep. and Shauna. Yeah, what's we'll, new? Yeah, it's what's new with Monty Cook games at two o'clock on Saturday. We'll be doing that one. As as everybody knows, Cookie Monster. Yeah, which um, well, I expect that we'll be stopped at the door, slapped, and uh, sent on our way. No, 
I doubt it. Cause he's not going to, he doesn't even know who we are. That's the beauty of it. That's why, that's why having like five listeners, this, he doesn't, he thinks we're a bunch of jokers, man. Where are these oh. ass, ass clowns? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I hope that's what that is. And then of course, nine o'clock we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, is when the soiree will probably be rolled out. Now, I should also mention that um, I believe Saturday evening is also Peter Atkinson's soiree. That's right. Where you can start with us at like nine, and then over at the Sheridan, which is across the street, Peter is reserving a conference room by for himself. They, I forgot what project he's overseeing, but... Him and uh, I don't know if Jen. Well, this is Chal- this is Chaldea thing. It is, and then there's a reading that he's going to be doing a live reading, and he wants everybody to come over there and be to attract everybody. He's having it like fully catered. Yeah, there's going to be free food and drink and type of stuff from what we understand. So it should be pretty fucking cool. So like, if you run out of our beer, it doesn't yeah, you, it doesn't have to <laughs> if end you there. Come to hang out with us and find out that we're not as cool as you'd hope we had been. You have an excuse. I'm sorry, Peter Atkinson. I gotta go. Yeah, gotta or, go. yeah. Peter hang out Atkinson. with Peter, right? So yeah, if you're, you can go do that. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with who Peter is, he um, was one of the folks that had bought Dungeons and Dragons and had been the CEO of Wizards of the Coast when they were really kind of a main magic shop, and then. Uh, he went on to be the CEO of Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll be there, um, and he's doing all kinds of different things now. So, but I think that would wrap up. And then, uh, aside from schmoozing with everybody and hitting the dealer hall, maybe getting some bumpers and intros. Yeah, I've got buttons to give away. I've got some whiskey bottles um, with a logo on it that my wife made. And uh, I think I got a little something for people running games who have signed up to run games under our banner. So I should be able to have that for folks as well, I hope so. Exactly. All right. Otherwise, uh, the next time you hear us, we'll probably, we may even record, we could probably record the next episode from, I don't know, like on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, we maybe could do that. I was thinking about doing something. I mean, it's the if nothing else, we've been talk. People have talked to us about like adventure design and so forth. I think this might be a good foray into it, kind of a even if we don't go through blow by blow what the whole con was, hit a couple high points, but then talk about the games we ran, um, things we did right, did wrong, <laughs> what we may or may not have learned, and um, and we can you know say, hey, I I still have a lynch mob chasing me around the con. This is you know maybe that's the case. I don't know. Yeah, we, uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Anyways, uh, this has been another episode of Gaming and BS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good gaming all. Gaming and BS produced with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Steve Day, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Aguirre, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Misdirected Mark Productions, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, Old School DM, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Jason the Beard Blaylock, Remy Bellado, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Merkel Freulich, Wayne Lutmunner Humfleet, James Carpio, Not Caprio, Tony Baker, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Eric Tankar, Brandon Barnes, Mark Tasaka, Brett Pazinski, Tim Shorts, Eileen Barnes, Chad Knight, and Dan LaValle. Consider becoming a patron. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you can support the show for an entire month. Whoa.